Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, how's everybody doing today? I'm Ron Caniff, and this is Locked On Dolphins. And I am Jared Mueller, and this is Locked On Browns. All right, we're doing a, a joint show for the uh, contest coming up on Sunday in Miami. And we're going to be talking uh, everything uh, for my for my listeners. We're going to be finding out lots about Cleveland. And for, obviously, the Cleveland listeners, you're going to be finding out everything you can about the Dolphins. So uh, let's get it started if you're ready. Absolutely. It's an exciting game of two 0-2 teams. Okay, so I, I just I guess I'll ask you a question right off the bat. It's the uh, the elephant in the room. What do you think about the, how they're going to do with Cody Kessler, man? What What do you know about this guy? I didn't see any Cleveland preseason ball, so I didn't get to see this guy throw uh, one pass yet. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Cody Kessler and how this is going to match up? Uh, this is a scary matchup. Just to be honest, um, our insider has been very clear that Cody Kessler is not ready. That's what the Browns organization believes. Uh, that's what the fan base believes. Uh, coming out of college, the biggest knock was his arm strength. Uh, since getting some work with our quarterback coach and some of our strength and conditioning coach coaches, uh, Kessler has added 10 yards of arm strength, but still uh, really is not ready physically to perform on this level. And so um, expect to see a heavy dose of the run game with a few run pass options available to Kessler because he in his head, uh, his mental side of the game is ready to play. It's, it's on the physical level and some of the speed stuff uh, that really worries us. And so, this game could be a very bad game to watch uh, from a quarterback perspective for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, interesting you speak to the run game, though, because our run defense has been porous. And, and last week, uh, we didn't so, do so good stopping the run, especially in the last drive from New England. They literally ran it down our, stro- uh, down our throat about seven out of nine possessions, kept the ball out of Tannehill's hands almost until a minute 15 left and no timeouts. And even though the Dolphins still almost came back under those circumstances, more time and a couple of timeouts might have been a different game, but we could not stop the run, and they specifically kept running at Mario Williams. I am concerned. My number one concern for this game is the run game of Cleveland, and specifically Duke Johnson coming back playing in Miami, his old stadium when he played with the U, feeling at home, kind of getting that little spark inside, knowing that this game may even rest on his shoulders. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm actually nervous about it. Actually, uh, the way that they've been used, you actually should be a little bit more more worried about Isaiah Crowell. He broke the 85-yard touchdown last week, had over 130-some yards, um, and has really been the featured back. I actually did a story on the Orange and Brown Report about the limited touches uh, and time that Duke has actually seen on the field. And so while he is a dynamic playmaker, he's only gotten seven carries so far this season um, and just really hasn't been put in a position to really succeed. Whether that changes now in week three, where we have a rookie quarterback that we don't have any confidence in, that's a different discussion. But so far, Hugh Jackson has really rode uh, the bigger Isaiah Crowell uh, to to really run kind of their run game. 
Um, but it's surprising for me to hear that the Miami defense, the run game, has actually been the biggest concern for you. You mentioned Mario Williams. Is it only kind of the – is he really the biggest weak link? Because the names you have with Sue and Koamisi and Kiko Alonso, there seems to be a lot of quality players that should be able to stop the run. Uh, well, only thing I can I can say about that is our run defense wasn't good last year um, for starters. And uh, Olivier uh, Vernon, even though I hear he's having a heck of a season up in the Giants, they've kind of moved him inside. As an outside run defender, he wasn't good. Cam Wake was our starter last year. This year he's not our starter. They're using him situationally this year, coming back from the injury and he's older. He really wasn't setting the edge and stopping the run. And, and teams were just running around Sue. <laughs> literally run around Sue and uh, they were just running on the edges. Now this year, I really thought my optics told me that Mario Williams was v- really playing well, but I opened up the PFF stats. Now do with those what you will. And I read those off yesterday and his, his, uh, his uh, rating, especially his run stopping was horrible. And I thought, eh, it's an arbitrary thing, but wait, there's more. There was something interesting on the fact that every single time, uh, in that last drive that they ran the ball with Legarrick Blunt that New England did, they ran it on the left side against Mario Williams. So there's obviously something there, and that's why I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. But our run defense wasn't good last year, and sometimes we'll set up in that wide nine. And I had a guest on, uh, Max Himmelrich from NFL.com, and he said if I was somebody and I saw that wide nine, I would just run the ball right up the middle. I saw them do that a few times too, set up in that wide nine. Yes, that's usually third and uh, long situations, but they still were able to ran- run the ball. So there's definitely some issues there. Our linebackers are questionable. Kiko Alonso is playing pretty good. He's good going towards the line of scrimmage, not necessarily good backing away and trying to cover. His coverage numbers aren't great. His run defense has been better, but Jelani Jenkins, who used to be our best linebacker, is really not having a good season, but he's coming off of a knee injury he suffered towards the end of preseason. So there's just a lot of questions there as far as the Dolphins' run defense. And knowing that Cody Kessler's a rookie and isn't really ready, I'm just imagining they may just hit us with both these guys, Crowell and Duke Johnson. My thought is just the emotion from Duke Johnson coming back, being in Miami, kind of might spark something a little bit and you know how that works in the NFL even though on paper it says Duke Johnson's not going to be the guy it's you know the situation here is a little bit different especially considering how much they'll need to run the ball to try and win this game absolutely and I think the the thing that Browns fans love about Duke Johnson is even with his size which everybody points to as more of a third down back uh, he finishes runs well he's always falling forward he's always pushing for that extra yard two or three rarely runs out of bounds really puts uh, the Browns in the best position possible, no matter how good or bad their blocking is. And so um, his heart and his determination have really been a, a big positive for the Browns. Um, just they haven't used him yet. And so yet will be the key thing when, when we're looking at week two. How for you, when you look at the Dolphins offense, the Browns defense, we can talk about how terrible they are. Um, but the Dolphins offense, uh, Ryan Tannehill, he's he's the guy there. Are you sold? Is he going to be the guy going forward? Or is that still a question mark for, for the Dolphins or at least for their fan base? Well, man, that's that's an interesting question and, and a question that has loomed large with Dolphins fans and the Dolphins organization probably for a while. Uh, Adam Gase is definitely sold that he has the right guy, and I don't believe it's really just lip service. I b- really truly believe he believes in Tannehill. Tannehill sometimes looks like the best quarterback you ever saw play. He really does show sparks of that on multiple occasions, and then sometimes he just can't seem to figure out what's going on. Uh, The key with Tannehill is the inconsistency. If he could 
take what he can do half the time, 40% of the time, and bring it up to 80, 85% of the time, he would be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, no doubt in my mind. You just don't always know which Tannehill is going to show up, and not just for the game, but when in the game will Tannehill show up. He has a tendency to do it second half. That seems to be his uh, M.O., but then sometimes he'll do it the first three quarters and not do it in the fourth quarter. It's very inconsistent with him. I believe Adam Gase is the one, though. If anybody's going to figure it out and get him consistent, it's Adam Gase. So as far as me right now, Tannehill with Gase, I'm sold and I'm still on board until further notice. <laughs> well, at least for us as Browns fans who don't even have an option, Robert Griffin III's out, Josh McCown's out, uh, we would we would love to have a Ryan Tannehill inconsistent player. Uh, at least he'd still be on the field. Yeah, and I exactly sixty six games now. He's he's been sacked more and taken more hits than any other quarterback in the NFL in the last four years. And uh, he's missed part of one game in his rookie year with a, a, a thigh bruise. And be, and he's he's really very durable, very resilient, very tough. Whether some people want to say he's tough or not, I say he is a tough quarterback. Uh, so that's been the biggest advantage of Tannehill is that he's always available. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm just kind of scrolling through some, some Dolphins information. Definitely expected some better numbers from the running back position. You guys have a variety of guys. It looks like Arian Foster may not be a go this week. What have you seen from the running game with J.H.I., Kenyon Drake and the rest of kind of that running back crew. Well, any of my listeners that have heard me for a while, not just on Locked on Dolphins, but on my previous Dolphins podcast before I did this one, know I am not a J.H.I. fan. Um, well, I would, I'll take it back. I originally was a J.H.I. fan when we drafted him, but what I saw the Dolphins do this offseason is make every attempt in the world to replace this guy. Many were just saying we were trying to add to the position. I kept saying, no, this is way more than trying to add to the, to the position. They brought in running backs. They tried to trade for a running back. Uh, they likely, had Ezekiel Elliott been there, perhaps, and Tunzel maybe been drafted. Had that worked out, I imagine they would have taken Elliott there. Um, they drafted Kenyon Drake. Uh, they brought in Chris Johnson. They brought in Arian Foster twice and signed him after the second time. Uh, I mean, they obviously tried to re-sign Lamar Miller. They did everything they could to replace this guy, which made me lose huge confidence. So I kept telling Dolphins fans, listen, I'm telling you, Adam Gase and them, there's something they don't like about this guy. I would be nervous. I would be scared to have this guy as our starter. But then we brought in Foster, and I thought, that's that's who they want for their starter. That's not just a piece. They want him as a starter. He was a starter, and of course, in Foster-like fashion, he got hurt <laughs> by week two. Now we're here with Jay Ajayi, who, by the way, if anybody didn't know, didn't even travel for the first game with Seattle because he was sulking about not being a starter, so Adam Gase left him in Miami. He wasn't even active or even with the team week one. Week two, he came in. He played some after um, Foster got hurt, but then um, he fumbled in the second half, and pretty much the only drive New England stopped us on in that second half or kept us from moving down the field or scoring uh, beyond the last drive on the last play was that Jay Ajayi fumble. So then they started bringing in the rookie, Kenyon Drake, from Alabama, and he scored a touchdown, and he looked pretty decent, but he's a rookie. But I imagine we're going to see more Drake uh, this week because I don't know how comfortable Adam Gase was, and I actually said it going into the season. I didn't feel like some of these rookies on offense, and we have many, uh, we're going to see a lot of playing time at Seattle than at New England. But against Cleveland at home, he may feel more comfortable about it. So I'm imagining you're going to see more Drake You'll see some Ajayi. It doesn't look like Foster's a go. And then we also have Isaiah Pede, 
who you might remember used to play for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, he's been hurt in not playing, so if he's available this game, I imagine they'll see some uh, some of him too. So I think you're going to see a mixture of the three. Uh, the uh, the offensive line, the pass blocking has been pretty stout. The run blocking has been bad. I mean, all these guys, they're just like very low pass uh, um, blocking um ratings on pff and it's not just pff you can see with your own eyes we're just not blocking well for the run at all so the combination of having questions of who your running back even is on top of the fact that your offensive line isn't run blocking well at all is causing us issues in the run game for sure but we knew that going in that wasn't that's not this isn't like a surprise that all of a sudden wow we can't run the ball we knew going in it was going to be an issue well and, and you can tell that gase is aware of that as well um, only 25 non-quarterback runs so far this season. Uh, so Tannehill has run the ball three or 11 times, 25 for all of your running backs. It looks like the game plan is throw the ball, throw the ball, and then throw the ball a little bit more, uh, which will work really well against uh, the Browns secondary, which has struggled most of this season. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, running the ball this much, though, it's not what Gase wants to do. It's just almost like what he has to do right now, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, for because because of the fact of the run game. I mean, if you want to get the ball going, and then in the in the game uh, against New England, it got out of hand really quick. And I uh, give credit to the Dolphins for you know getting back in the game and losing by a touchdown, as opposed to making that a one of those fifty-two to ten games that it was looking like it was going to go that way. Yes, the Jimmy Garoppolo injury probably pay, played into that some, but the Dolphins figured something out on the offensive side of the ball for sure because New England was playing tight. Uh, man D the whole second half just like they did the first half and Miami was just marching the ball down the field so they definitely figured some things out and started executing uh, but we'll see how it goes we got to be able to run the ball more than we are uh, so I att- I expect them to actually try to run the ball more against Cleveland and try to bring in a more balanced attack because they know last year was the same thing with Bill Lazor he just wanted to throw 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 even though he had Lamar Miller he hardly used him that was more by design. This is more by the situation. Really haven't had a choice, but I don't think it's what Adam Gase wants. He wants a balanced attack. He had balanced attacks in, in other offenses that he's run as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. No team really, besides the Patriots, sometimes really want to be unbalanced. Uh, sometimes you got to go with what the, the team has or you know against your opponent. And so that makes a lot of sense that he went with what he was comfortable with for at least the first two games on the road. Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, w- what other aspects? Like, uh, let's talk about your um, your pass rush on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland. A- anybody we should worry about? Our, our pass um, blocking, or you know, ha- our pass protection on the offensive side has been much better this year. Not like it was in previous years, which is one of the the, the league's worst. How, how, do you guys have any pass rushers we should be concerned about? Anybody that's you think can get to uh, Ryan Tannehill? Um, well, no, we decided that we wanted to get our two star rookies hurt already. So Carl, Carl Nassib, uh, out of Penn state has really made an impact on the past, uh, rush. He really is getting a lot of penetration, not getting the sacks that maybe we would want, but his penetration has been great on the other side. Emmanuel Agba has also got a lot of penetration again, not really getting to the quarterback. Um, and then Nate Orchard, who's a second year man, uh, really had a spark in game two, but as a whole, Ray Horton's defense, they try to get a lot of pressure through exotic blitzes and those kind of things, and, and they haven't been getting home, 
which has really opened up. Uh, one of the things you'll see on third down, and you can just mark it down, third and short or long, it doesn't matter. There'll be a wide open crosser, a uh, wide receiver crossing across the middle, or a fullback tight end uh, coming open over the middle for a pretty easy uh, first down uh, based on everything we've seen from Horton this year and his other year. But really not a lot of um, sacks right now. And then Nasib is out with his hand injury. Um, and so that's really going to take away really our primary pass rusher so far this season. Um, what about in, on the, in your um, secondary? So we have Jarvis Landry, and you speak of those crossing routes on third and five, six, seven, eight. I could imagine Landry you know, kind of feasting in there. Maybe even Jordan Cameron, our tight end, when he, can des- when he decides he'd like to catch the ball. Um, <laughs> then we have Devontae Parker, who's been back and had a pretty nice game last week. Actually, a, really a really nice second half last week. And uh, then we have Kenny Stills, who uh, had, if, any, if you probably saw week one, had just that huge blown touchdown. He was Ooh. wide open and dropped it. Oh, it, just a knife to the heart on that one. But had a touchdown catch last week. Uh, we have three pretty nice receivers there. How do you feel your secondary and your cornerbacks are going to fare against those guys? Uh, I think they're going to fare horribly. Um, and so we have a big name guy in Joe Hayden who had two interceptions last week. Um, but really hasn't been playing up to his name value. And so um, he struggles mightily against kind of the smaller, quicker guys. Uh, So I can imagine someone like Stills or even Landry uh, can really cause him some issues. The bigger guys like Devontae Parker, he can body up and really feels better when he can get really physical with the guys. Um, Outside of him, you guys down in Miami know of Jamar Taylor. You basically basically gave him to us to move up a couple spots in the seventh round. Um, He's our other starting outside cornerback. Um, he should be okay as a nickel corner on the inside. He does not fare well on the outside. And then we have Tremont Williams, the aging veteran who I think retired uh, right after he signed the contract with the Browns. Um, and he gets uh, pretty much picked on at this point in time, much like you would see a rookie getting picked on, uh, especially in important series. You can just watch the offense, find where Williams is, and attack him, especially when he's playing in the slot. So uh, I expect Tannehill and I actually picked him up in my fantasy league for that reason. I expect him to have a big game with all of those receivers. And Jordan Cameron still has some vengeance left towards the Browns. So maybe he'll decide today is a good hands day. I actually forgot that Jordan Cameron came from the Browns. I, I just didn't even <laughs> didn't even put those together. And interesting that you mentioned Jamar Taylor. I don't know how much you know about his background, but a lot of the issue, and I, I really hope that Jamar Taylor has a good career somewhere I think he's a great guy and I, I'm I'm sad that it didn't work out for us and honestly with our our cornerback situation I promise you Jamar Taylor would be getting playing time right now in the Dolphins secondary because our cornerback situation isn't good and I'll talk about that in a second but Jamar Taylor he has that kidney issue that doesn't allow him to take anti-inflammatories so in oh. football you have injuries and when you right. have injuries you need to take anti-inflammatories except he can't so many times a lot of his injuries take him a lot longer to recover and that was a lot of the problem with uh with him in Miami was he was injured a lot yeah he was probably injured like any normal NFL football player is injured but every injury is um kind of ends up being a bigger thing because of his uh, because of his condition and gotcha. I didn't know if you were aware of that, so kind of be you know, kind of be mindful if you see him. Boy, he sure is on the injury report a lot. He sure seems to not play a lot, um, and I hope that doesn't happen for him. But uh, sure, that absolutely. that was the case here in Miami for him, and part of the reason why it just never really quite uh, worked out, unfortunately. But going to our secondary, 
they have not been great. We've got <laughs> Brian Maxwell. We got Byron Maxwell, who we got in that trade from Philly when we got Kiko Alonso to move uh, uh, to move um, back some uh, from eight to thirteen and get a couple guys that we feel could be some maybe solid starters. He <laughs> Byron Maxwell has not been great. Xavier Howard's a second round rookie, and he hasn't been fantastic. He's been okay. Uh, our cornerback spot, and then the depth behind those guys isn't amazing either. We got Bobby McCain playing nickel sometimes, and he's been toasted. Uh, Michael Thomas, which is really our backup safety, but he also plays nickel. He's probably been more solid than anybody. Uh, who? What threats do you guys have, if any, in your wide receiver core uh, that could maybe uh, get over the top on those guys? Well, we had two real threats. Corey Coleman had a breakout game last week, two touchdowns, and just looked really, really good. And, oh, by the way, he broke his hand yesterday. And uh-huh. so he had someone fall on it after making a reception. He's not going to have surgery, but he'll be out four to six weeks. And so now you're looking at Terrell Pryor, their converted quarterback, who has the ability down the field. He really can uh, run the nine, the, the, the deep route, really, really well, has very good hands. Struggles still in a lot of his other route running, um, but he's the guy that if uh, the Browns are going to try to take the top off the defense and at least keep those safeties honest, you're going to see a deep ball or two to prior. Then we have some rookies. Um, Rashad Higgins, Hollywood Higgins out of Colorado has shown that he can catch pretty much anything. Um, But again, paired with Cody Kessler, I'm not sure um, how much two rookies are really going to be able to make an impact. Then you have Andrew Hawkins, our a very small slot receiver who is uh, quick. Can His route running is amazing, great hands. Gets injured a lot just based on his size and some concussion history. Uh, and so I don't expect, outside of uh, deep balls to prior and maybe some run pass options to Higgins, I don't expect our, our wide receiver core to really threaten your defensive backs. It may be our tight end, Gary Barnage, who really has the biggest impact on this game. He was a pro bowler last year had his best season ever, uh, and he has he looked good last week with Josh McCown. Hopefully can be that safety net for Cody Kessler. Interesting. Um, I, you know, the Dolphins, we've been kind of pretty much a bad team now for a decade. That's the truth. And we've had one playoff appearance, and we've had a lot of middling seasons of six, seven, eight wins. But, man, I swear, I, I feel the Browns, you guys are just so snake bit. Like, nothing seems to work in your favor. And, you know, I have several of my friends, we always say, we root for the Browns just because we feel so bad <laughs> for that team, for those team fans, really. I mean, you even didn't even have a team for a few years after they moved <laughs> to Baltimore and then won a Super Bowl a few years later. I mean, what, how, what is it like? Describe to me what it's like. Because as Dolphins fans, we're starting to kind of get a feeling of what it was like to go years and years and years and years and be inept. But it's still nothing like what the Browns uh, fans seem to face day in and day out. What, how do you grind on like that? With, at least like with the Dolphins, we kind of feel like we have some hope each year. Maybe it's just the way Dolphins fans are. Every year we feel like there's some hope. Or many years we think this is going to be the year. Do, do you ever wake up one day and say this is going to be the year? Or do you just accept what it is and say I'm a Browns fan and they're going to win two to five games every year and that's going to be that? Yeah, we pretty much uh, always wake up. There's actually one of the most uh, popular websites up here. is called Waiting for Next Year. Um, and so – we pretty much are resolved to the fact that we're going to be bad. Um, and so it's an unfortunate uh, love for, for us. Um, but the Browns have really, everything that can go wrong has, go wrong, has gone wrong. 
for the team. Um, you know, we've tried everything. We've tried new head coaches, new general managers, new owners, uh, you name it. Every single thing has, has gone wrong for the Browns. And so at this point in time, it's not even that shocking that our best defensive rookie and our best offensive rookie are hurt uh, two weeks into the season because that's just how things go. And so I think the one thing we've seen, at least with this new regime, is this is the first time the Browns have actually torn it all the way down to the ground. Every regime that has come in, and we've had plenty uh, since we returned in 1999, um, has tried to win pretty quickly. They've brought in their guys, the Paul Krugers, the Carlos Danvies, those veteran players to try to compete right away. This group has had made no secret about the fact that they want to lose. They don't want to lose. They want to build through the draft. And so we had 14 draft picks along with Jamar Taylor that we picked up. We have a bunch more draft picks over the next two years. So at least for us, it's about hope. And so hope springs eternal in Cleveland until week one. Uh, and then we start doing mock drafts. And so things like fan speak and some of the other uh, things where we can actually do our own mock drafts, that starts pretty early in Cleveland. Uh, and we really look forward to the draft. It is our Super Bowl. Huh. Uh, what about the decision uh, to 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 trade away uh, that that high pick and get all those picks? I know you need a lot on the roster, and it's not all done to the quarterback. But when you see the player play of Wentz so far, again, again, it's been against two of the worst teams in the NFL. But when you see the play of Wentz, what's what's your thoughts on that? Do you think, man, we should have just taken Wentz? Or do you like the decision to go even after the fact so far to go ahead and just pick up all those picks and try and build a, a full roster inside and out? Yeah, I mean for the Browns it was it's the right decision. Carson Wentz would be on the IR if if the Browns had drafted him. Oh not just, man, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> not, well, not just because of our our uh, bad luck, but he he has some injury history uh, at North Dakota State. He had his cracked rib already this year. And then you look at RG3 and Josh McCown are out with shoulder injuries. And so I think the Browns realized they weren't in position to really protect their quarterback, both offensive line and offensive scheme, as well as defensively. And so, um, you know, you have to have a team that's kind of married offensively and defensively. I don't think um, they would have been married in a way that would have helped Wentz. And so long-term, we look at this next year's draft. We're 0-16, which is a possibility. Um, then we're, we've built a solid foundation uh, and now have an opportunity to draft a Deshaun Watson, a Deshaun Kaiser, or any of those kind of guys. So it's the right decision, no matter how good Carson Wentz looked. He probably would not have looked that good with the Browns. Okay, understood. So um, as we start to kind of wrap things up yeah. here, uh, what is your prediction for the game, your score prediction? You just said we could possibly, you guys could possibly go 0-16, so how do you think you fare uh, in Miami? Well, based on your guys' uh, offensive threats and our starting Cody Kessler, um, I think we're looking at a 28-10 to 10 game. Um, I think the Browns will try to control the ball with Crowell and Johnson uh, with some short passing from Cody Kessler. But I think there's just not enough uh, with Corey Coleman now out and uh, Carl Nassib out. I just don't think we have enough talent to compete, even though the Dolphins, like we've discussed, have their own struggles. I think 28 to 10 is a, is a reasonable, uh, unfortunate way to look at this game. Ron, what about for you? When you look at your 0-2 Dolphins, what do you think uh, Sunday's game is going to look like? What's your score prediction? Now, I definitely think the, the Dolphins are going to win, but I kind of feel like it'll be a little closer than that. The Dolphins have a tendency, and all the listeners know this, so it's not a lie, we have a tendency to play up or down to the competition, and we generally don't go in and 
and wreck and beat big the teams that on paper say we should beat big. So I kind of envision more of like a 28-20, kind of like a 7-8 point win. I'm not, I haven't even looked at the spread of this game to see what the Vegas spread is. I would imagine <laughs> it's like, if I had to guess, it's probably like 5.5 or something like that. I don't know. But uh, I'm just throwing a number out there. I could be way off. But I think it's going to be like an 8-point win. I think you guys will kind of keep it close because that's just the Dolphins' way. We don't generally go in and step on the throat of teams we should step on the throat of because that's what the good, good teams do. Like New <laughs> England and, and teams like that, they go on and a team they should beat, they beat. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, we've never been like that generally. We'll go in and mess around for a while and kind of keep it close, and you guys will be like, oh, man, this is closer than I thought. And then all of a sudden we'll make some plays and we'll get the win, and it'll be like we were never concerned about it, but it won't be beautiful doing it because that's generally how it works. <laughs> the the process of being a Dolphins fan, you've learned, huh? Uh, yes, we have learned. So I, I expect to get the win. Now, let me tell you, if the Dolphins lose this game, you want to see panic in the streets. Yes, you will see some panic if the Dolphins are 0-3 and lose to Cleveland at home. And then we're four days later going uh, on to Cincinnati, as uh, Bill Belichick Ooh. would say. Yeah, and Cincinnati is a team we generally match up pretty good with, but still... I mean, it's a four-day turnaround. We're going to Cincinnati. I mean, the the Dolphins got a cruel schedule at Seattle, then at New England. Then we get our first home game against Cleveland. So that's a chance there. And then four days later at Cincinnati. That is just tough three out of four games to be on the road against those, those playoff-slash-Super Bowl contending teams. So we have to get this win. The Dolphins absolutely have to win this game because they could literally still be looking at one and three, looking up at some more winnable games as the season goes on. But we, if we're 0-4, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's panic city for sure, especially for Adam Gase being a brand-new head coach. We don't know, you know if the players are going to continue to listen if, as they continue, if they keep losing and losing and losing, especially, hate to say it, if we lose to Cleveland. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. We're, we're glad to be giving you guys a break and a little bit of hope in your schedule. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad that you feel that way. I feel bad for you. <laughs> but uh, all right. Uh, you don't have to feel too bad because Cleveland, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, world champions. Media day is Monday. And so for many Cleveland fans, after Sunday's game, the, the page turns to the Cavs. And we have the Indians who are competing, who will win the, the AL Central. And so we still have some fun stuff up here. Yeah, for us, we, uh, we had the Heat haven't been good, especially since LeBron left. Um, obviously, we had the LeBron years. And uh, <laughs> the Marlins, man, they were looking good, and they just lost everybody. And St- yeah. when Stanton went out, that was kind of it. And uh, so that's not so good there. And we've got the Panthers in hockey, but uh, I'm not really a hockey fan. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's true. You guys did finally get your championship, and it was a tough one, too, because it didn't look like you would. But uh, uh, LeBron stepped up and did it for you guys, for sure. Absolutely. And Kyrie, for sure. Uh, all right, uh, I guess we will wrap things up now. <laughs> Uh, if you uh, want to subscribe to Locked On Dolphins, you can go to iTunes, uh, audioboom.com, and Google Play. And I'll give a little shout-out to the network, uh, Locked On Podcast Network, and you can check out some other great shows there. Almost all the NFL teams have a Locked On uh, team. The NBA teams all have Locked On Podcasts as well. And then you can check out some of the other shows like Locked On NFL, Locked On Draft, Locked On Fantasy. And uh, what about you, Jared? Yeah, you can find all of my work. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. 
uh, and I will be live tweeting the game on Sunday at the OBR, which is the Orange and Brown Report. Um, and yeah, just uh, all of the Lockdown Network, some great guys. Um, I know the Lockdown NFL Draft guys, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, do an amazing job. And and as Browns fans, we always need to be preparing for the draft. So encourage you guys to check that out here. Um, and then again, you can get me on Lockdown Browns on iTunes and on AudioBoom.com. And so, Ron, thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for doing this together as we prepare for a week three battle of the winless teams. Yes. And uh, now for the Dolphins, we say fins up. What do what the Browns say? What's what's your slogan there? Brown, uh, it's not Browns it's, down, I hope. No, it's not Browns down. <laughs> uh, we, we are the dog pound. And so, um, you know, we bark is one of our ways of doing things. I don't do that. I always just end with. Have a great day, and go Browns. (laughs) Okay, and uh, for the Dolphins fans, uh, fins up, everybody. Thanks for listening to this joint show of Locked on Dolphins and Locked on Browns.